Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are continuing our discussion about eternal security and can someone lose or forfeit their salvation? This is going to be our final discussion on this topic in this series. However, it will cover two it will cover two sessions of Freedom Fridays. So that'll be this week and next week. When we think about eternal security, eternal security is so important to the Christian. Um, so is once saved, always saved a biblical aspect? Is, is it something that we can find in Scripture and beginning with salvation and what is salvation like, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We talked about this before, and uh, we've talked about it during salvation and such, but here we are going to reiterate that it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved. It doesn't say you might be saved or you could be saved. It says that you have been saved. Um, and it says, uh, it, it's, it's a, it also tells us that it's not by our works. It is only by the grace of God. And that is very significant because when we go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Having begun by grace, are you now being perfected by works? Well, if, if your works weren't enough to get you saved... How in the world are they going to be enough to keep you saved? That's the thought. We are saved by grace. Um, there's a line in the song, Amazing Grace, "'Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." We start with grace, we continue with grace, and it will be grace that saves us. Remember, grace is simply... God giving us something that we do not deserve. And this grace, as it says in Ephesians 2, is through faith. And so we obtain that grace through faith. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here you've got a couple of things playing in here. And we are now, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are now part of the family of God. And uh, he says we've, he's given us the right to be children of God. And it, it, interesting in verse 13, we're born into the family, not by blood, not, not by physical birth, nor by the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
but it's wholly a work of God. That's very important. If we go to John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus asks him about that. He's a little bit confused. And in verse 5 and through 7, he says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Your first birth or your physical birth was not enough because we were born physically into sin. But your spiritual birth is enough because now we are born into the family of God. You are now a part of the family of God. When you are a part of a family, you can't lose that family. The, your, my children will always be my children. Whether they disown me, whether I disown them, doesn't matter. They will still always be my children. Same thing is true with the relationship with God. We will always be his children once we are a part of his family. Now, there is a relationship and there is fellowship. The relationship does not change. You are a child of God when you are saved, when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you've, you've repented of your sins. You are saved. You're part of the, the relationship, and that is permanent. However, the fellowship that we have and the closeness of the relationship is dependent on our obedience. And so that is something that we do need to um, confess sin from time to time to restore that fellowship, not the relationship. It's kind of like the prodigal son. The prodigal son never ceased to be the son of the father. However, that, that fellowship was severed for a while while he was in the other country. And, or at the very least, it was hampered. So we are a part of the family of God. And then in Romans 8, verse 1, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A couple of things going on in this verse. There is no condemnation. You can't be condemned if you are in Christ. So we are not only part of the family of God, but we are in Christ. And to be in Christ means there is no longer any method, any possibility of being condemned, according to verse 1 of chapter 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all will be made alive. So if you are in Christ, you will be made alive. It doesn't say you could be, you might make it, but it says that you will be made alive. Then in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. If anyone is in Christ, then there's a change that takes place in their lives, in their heart, in the very center of their being. They're, they're completely new, and we're going to come back to that concept in a little bit. But suffice it to say that um, if you are in Christ, there's been a fundamental change in you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are in Christ, we are justified. Everything that we've done is made right. All the wrongs that we have done and will do are already set right. That means at that moment, justification means at that moment of salvation, you are declared righteous by God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while, he, while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness might be credited to them. So this is talking about Abraham and how he was, it was credited to him by his faith, and the righteousness of God was credited to him by his faith. And in the same manner, verses 23 and 24, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but also for our sake to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised our Lord from the dead. So if you believe in Christ, you will have righteousness credited to you. Continuing on, um, we are kept by the power of God. Um, throughout eternity, uh, church history, eternal security has been at the forefront of discussion. And there are two um, different perspectives of this, uh, of how to defend the eternal security. First, perseverance is the teaching that genuine believers will all persevere until they are with Christ in heaven. We call that the perseverance of the saints. 1 John 2 verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they, are, they all are not of us. So John is saying here, the reason the people left the faith was not because they had the faith in the first place, but because they didn't. They were wolves in sheep's clothing. They were fakers. And it, it teaches us that those who don't persevere don't lose their salvation, but it's that they never had it in the first place. But those who do obviously had it. Let's continue on with the second um, 
perspective on on eternal security is that not only perseverance, but preservation, which is an even stronger argument. Its focus is not on the Christian, on whether we persevere or not, but on God himself. It's the teaching that God will preserve all who are genuinely saved. 1 Peter 1 and verse 5 says, who are protected by the power of God. Let's go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we're talking about people who, have, who are born again. Verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Those are very strong words. Think strongly on those. I'm not going to deal um, intimately with those, but th- that also shows us a lot of uh, our security. Verse 5, For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. According to this verse, you do not keep your salvation by human effort, but by the power of God. It's not by what you can muster up to do to keep yourself in salvation, but it is by the power of God. It is not up to the power of man. John chapter 6, verses 37 to 40 say, And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father." that everyone who, who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Very strong words by Jesus saying, I am not going to lose anyone who comes to me. Anyone who is truly uh, regenerated by salvation will never be lost. Why? Because it is not only the will of Christ, but it is the will of The Father in verse 37 and verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. It's also the will of the Father, the rest of the verse, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So you can be certain that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you will be raised up on the last day. Similarly, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What is it that we have entrusted to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Our salvation. The salvation of our soul, that we will not be sent to an eternity in torment punishment. And he says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to take the thing that I gave to him and make it happen. 
Jude chapter 20 or Jude verse 24 says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling what yes Jesus is able to keep you from stumbling it's not that you somehow need to keep yourself from stumbling and we're not talking about committing a sin here we're talking about stumbling in your salvation so that you lose it to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory of his glory blameless with great joy verse 25 to the only god our savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Because he is able to keep us from falling off the wagon, to keep us from losing our salvation. We are also not only kept by the power of God, but we are in God's love. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are in God's love. Now, we've dealt with this in the, uh, some of the previous ones in more detail, but this is saying that we are in his love. And verse 35 asks the question, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate us from God's love? He gives us a whole bunch of difficulties that may come in verses 35 and 36 and then answers the question in verse 37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. It's through God's love. Again, the power of God keeps us saved. So what things could separate us from the love of God? Verse 38 and 39 give us a whole list of things which say at the end, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God. There is nothing there. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. God's love does not stop short. It is everlasting. It goes all the way through to completion. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again next week as we finish this, this uh, discussion on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.